Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here is your host, Sandy Giroux. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Leadership in Life. I hope you're having a great day today and that you are recuperating from a wonderful, maybe relaxing or fun-filled long weekend. We had a holiday this past weekend in the United States where we uh, commemorize our soldiers. It was Memorial Day weekend. So I hope you all enjoyed that. I'm your host, Sandy Giroux, and you are in for a treat today as my guest and I talk about how to apply Wild Place Rule Number 2, a Wild Place is respectful, to the workplace in order to engage and inspire our teams at a higher level. I want to start with a quote, though. The legendary Lou Holtz once said, I follow three rules. Do the right thing, do the best you can, and always show people you care. Well, My guest today follows those three rules beautifully, and the way he cares about others shows up not only in what he does for them, but also in the respect that he shows for everyone around him, regardless of who they are, what generation they belong to, or what their position is in their organization. In fact, my guest, John Lyle, a.k.a coach started out his career as a high school math teacher and a coach because he cared so much about young people and knew that that was a great way to help them get a good start on life. He then went on to work at the happiest place on earth, Walt Disney World, right here in Orlando, Florida, where over his 30-year career, he rose through the ranks and became one of the most beloved leaders there. Coach, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy you're here. Thank you very much, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, great. Um, I'm really excited because you have shared so many things with me over the years as far as what you do, not even just when we're talking about leadership, but every time I talk to you, your leadership just shines through. And so I'd like to explore a little bit about your early years as a teacher and then your years at Disney. And let's start with the early ones because lots of people find it difficult to connect with younger people, especially in a workplace. And my goodness, you picked one of the toughest workplaces ever, the schoolroom, the classroom. But you didn't have any problem connecting even with one of our toughest audiences ever, teenagers. So can you tell us a little bit about, first, what made you choose that profession and math, one of our most loved subjects, I'm sure, to boot, and how did you get your students to listen to you and want to learn from you? How did you do that? Well, first of all, Sandy, I became a math teacher because math was my best subject in high school and throughout college. And um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do until after my freshman year. But as I took a calculus class my freshman year, I decided that I was going to be a math teacher. And um, freshman in college and all through my high school uh, days, I participated in sports, either in school sports or in intramural sports. But I was interested, and so I knew that once I got out, I wanted to coach. So it looked like the teaching and the high school was probably the best place for me to go. Now, when you talk about relating to the students, I would have to 
give a lot of credit to college. I say that because in college you take, take some classes on how to teach, how to get along with people, how to understand people, and so forth. And that's, that's what I basically um, went on. When I went to high school, I learned that you had different students. I think everybody out there can relate, whether you're a teacher or you're a manager somewhere. If you looked at the people that are below you, that are working for you, that you're trying to teach, everybody out there is different. And you need to understand that they're different, but how to get to them. For I'll just go to my high school days and talk about that for a second. If you took a high school class, and let's just say I'm teaching Algebra 1, I've got some students in that class that the minute I teach them how to solve an equation, like 3x plus 1 equals 10, those people know the answer right off. They, they know it. They've, they've got it. There's another person who's going to understand the method that I give them to get to the answer, how to solve the equation. And then there's the person that, boy, they're going to say, what is this X? I don't understand it, Mr. Lyle. I don't understand the X in the equation. And what I did is I tried to work out, understand those people, and try to work with each one. Now, I'm going to be honest that you can't take the faster people and keep moving at their pace. You can't take the slower people and move at their pace, but you do have to make sure that by the time you're through teaching that class, everybody understands. And I think that that's how I gained a lot of respect and was able to communicate with the people that I taught in high school. Now, I will tell you that when I took teaching and then I went into the gym and I was coaching, all of a sudden it was a different atmosphere, and I would communicate, which I'm going to probably use the word communicate because I think communication is a key word today, um, whether you're in the school, whether you're in a workplace, and we're talking about respect, good communication is going to get you that respect that you uh, want, deserve, and need in order to function, whether it's, uh, as I say, a job, workplace, or in the classroom. Now, in the gym, all of a sudden, the communication would change. It would change that I would tell the people, you're not going to get any better by me always talking about the good things that you're doing. And I'll just take basketball, for example. As I coach basketball, you know, a person makes a good pass. A person makes a good shot. A person does well playing defense. They're not going to learn from that. They already are doing those things correct. So I had to teach them that my, my communication to them is going to be more of a negative thing. Hey, you didn't do this. You need to make sure that you do this next time. You didn't uh, dribble when you should have dribbled. And that's why you got into a predicament. You didn't shoot when you had the shot. You should have shot. So you use that communication. And they understood that because I communicate up front. Hey, I'm not doing this to belittle you, I'm doing this to help you, As and I'll take that back to the classroom, what happens at the end of a test? Do you go over all of the questions that the people all got right? No. A teacher doesn't do that because everybody already knows that information. The information that the person missed is what you go back over when you go over a test, and you teach them what the right answer is. So... 
this really helped me gain the respect, communication of the people in the classroom, and it also continued on today's, I'm going to just say to everybody out there, that teaching is no different than managing a group of people below you. If you take both scenarios, I'm going to use the analogy that in a school system, you've got the students, I'm going to say those are your hourly workers, and then you've got the teachers, those are your first level salaried people. And then you've got a principal, and that's the manager over those, those uh, supervisors, I'm going to call them, over the hourly people. And each, each level goes up, and so there's an analogy there. When you're te- working in a high school teaching people, you're trying to communicate with those, those people. You're trying to gain their respect, and you do so, I'd say, by, by being a good communicator and also by being able to reach out to each person. Now, when you're in the workplace, the same thing holds true. Although I know we're talking about respect, so I'm going to mention right now I have two little notes on respect. Respect, I think, is earned. It's earned by a, when you're an adult. In other words, if anybody goes out there and goes and gets a new job, you're, the peer person that's managing them, is going to have to earn their respect. But then they should have some respect initially when they go in because that respect was learned. The second thing I'm talking about is learned respect and how who learns respect. I think we as adults teach, teach our children to respect those elders, their parents. We teach them to respect firemen, policemen, any type of a judge, anybody, we teach them to respect these people because of the position that they're in and they're older and they should know it. So they should have an idea that they need respect or to show respect to these people. And then once they go into a position, yes, I should respect my manager, my supervisor. But that person now in that position, I think, has to earn the respect. How do they earn it? They become a good communicator with those people. And I'm going to tell you a little story, and I guess this is a good place to get into it. And I'm sort of going from teaching to the workplace that um, I know we're on a radio show and I know that we're supposed to be good people, but we have those um, four-letter words. Um, (laughs) And there's uh, Sandy, I'm sorry about this, but I'm going to start talking four-letter words because I want the audience out there to understand that there are four-letter words in the world that we have to use in the workplace. And um, I know that you're all excited to hear me start you throwing those four-letter words out, but I'm going to start throwing them out <laughs> at you, and here they go. Okay, um, Coach, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm sorry, Sandy, but I hope the rest of the audience can take this. Um, first of all, you have to be kind. You have to uh, care. You have to I help. knew. All right, Coach, I'm just going to stop you for one second because I knew you wouldn't throw me under a bus with a real four-letter word. That's a taboo. But kind, oh, my goodness, I love the way you positioned this. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that because we are on a real radio show that uh, they don't let – 
stupid things go on, people will stick with us and learn all the rest of your four-letter words. But kind is a great one. Go ahead, Coach. I just had to laugh and say, okay, okay. I knew you wouldn't do anything bad to me. <laughs> well, when and some people, you may want to take down a few of these words and use them because, as I said, I'm just going to repeat, be kind, care about people, help people, love people, be firm, be true, give to people, be good, be nice, lead people. And I think I'm just going to stop here for a minute. Lead means exactly that. You get out there, you be the front dog of that dog sled team. Don't be a boss. Don't be the person cracking the whip behind them because that's not going to gain respect. It's not going to gain respect in the workplace, and it's not going to gain respect if you're a teacher in the classroom. Be a leader out there. Show them. Walk the talk, I think, is very important. In other words, you need to be able to do everything that you're asking the people underneath you to do. And you need to be honest with them. Um, There's something I I wrote down a four-letter word. That I know it's going to take me into another part of, part of this speech, but anyway, I wrote down the, the word gray. And I wrote down the word gray because we all have rules. And rules are very important. We need them. They're going to keep us stable. They're going to keep everything consistent, which it's very important in all places. Consistency is very important. But I wrote down the word gray because... Sometimes you need to possibly bend those rules a little bit. And I'm going to give you an example of how I've, it's worked for me in the workplace. For instance, at Disney, uh, when I was a manager there, all of the people had to clock in and clock out. And when they clocked in late, they got a late. And a late was an attendance mark. And basically, there's an attendance matrix such that so many late marks gave a possible reprimand. So many reprimands caused termination. So I took this rule, and let's say a person comes in two minutes late, and I didn't want to mark them late for two minutes. Rather than that, I cause, I'll call this my gray area. I would say to Joey, I would say, Joey, you came in two minutes late. I know, Mr. Lyle, I know, Mr. Lyle, I came in two minutes late. I'll tell you what, Joey, can you give me two minutes at the end of your shift? Can you work two extra minutes? Sure I can. Okay. And I would do this until the person became a habitual late person or a person in violation of the the matrix. Then I would talk to them about what can we do to help you out? And here's another word. I remember I said help was one of the four-letter words. And I'm also going to say I'm doing this because I care about people. I care about the people that work, work for me. So by helping them, I would say, why are you late? Well, I set my alarm clock at this time every day, and, you know, it causes me the traffic, causes me to be late. So my answer to them would be, can you set the alarm clock for 10 minutes earlier? Well, I'll try. And we would go on, and if the person was still late, I may have them in and talk to them saying, did you do that? And they said, yes, but I'm still late. And I said, 
I would say, what if I call you? You know, what if I call you up and every morning and say, get out of bed at this time? You would do that. And I'd say, yes, I would do that. I'm trying to help you, you know. And I know there are people out there listening who are probably going to say, um, John, uh, Coach, we've got uh, 500 employees. Uh, you know, when 100 of them are late, I can't make these calls. And you're right, you can't. Um, you know, but there might be another solution for you to, to work with these people to find out why 100 out of 500 are being late. So there are things that can be done out there. But as you work with these people, you find out that all of a sudden they see that you care and they start to care, and they will come to work on time. Wow, now, that's great, Coach. Um, I want to interrupt you for just one second. We're going to be going to a break in just a moment, but I really love what you're talking about. Sure, you know, I have a lot of leaders who tell me they don't like the hand-holding that they seem to have to do lately, and that calling sounds like hand-holding, but when we come back, let's explore that a little bit because it's not really hand-holding to the extent that, yeah, sure, we'll do it for 100 or 500 people. You're talking about picking out those few people who look like they might have some potential. So let's take a quick break and stay tuned, folks, because when we come back, we'll talk about some ways to be able to show people we care without having to kill ourselves with calling 500 people and waking them up. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. 
You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. And we're back with Coach John Lyle, who's been sharing his leadership lessons and philosophy and style with us and and some great stories. Some of the things that Coach talked about before we went to break were don't be cracking the whip. Don't be a boss. Be a leader. You know, making sure that you're not so rigid that you can't even bend a simple rule like somebody being two minutes late and saying, nope, you're going to be dinged for that and get a reprimand or a late. So... I love the fact that you're talking about people being flexible, Coach. We really need to do that. I love what you said about learned respect, which is what parents should be teaching their children about elders and people in other positions, but also about earned respect because I talk about the fact that all we can ever expect as leaders is the benefit of the doubt, that we've done enough right in our positions to be able to at least start out with our people respecting us. But then we earn and re-earn their respect every single day, commanding it rather than demanding it because of our position. I also love the fact that you you made a suggestion, okay? You told your young person that you would call him every day to help wake him up. Now, I know a lot of people out there were groaning saying, oh my word, I, this is the kind of hand-holding I never want to do with my people. But guess what? You said, which I loved, no, you can't do that with a hundred people. You can't get into that habit. You don't have the time. But maybe the thing is that we we sometimes look at things as an all or nothing situation. And we're not saying we'll do it for everyone, but maybe there's that one person who shows great potential and just isn't showing the maybe the proactive or critical thinking skills necessary for them to move forward, but you see the potential in them. Maybe that's the one that you say, okay, I'll call you every morning. I will bet that if you're right and you do that two, maybe three days in a row and you're right about that person having leadership potential, you won't have to do that more than once or twice. So coach, first I want to ask you, did you ever actually get to the point of calling that young man every day and how did you, how did that work out if you did? But then when we were on the break, you also talked about honesty and I'd love for you to chat a little bit about that as well. Well, thank you, Sandy. And um, I guess I did want to make sure that everyone out there listening understands a mathematical fact. Um, I worked for Disney for 30 years um, and I probably managed, I'm going to say, well over thousands of people, more than a thousand, probably more than 2,000, but maybe not more than 5,000 people. And I have brought people in with attendance problems and talked to them. And I always use the same speech that we just talked about. Number of people I called in 30 years, zero. (laughs) So... Um, But just offering to do it is what made them know that you actually cared that much about them that you would do it if they wanted you to, right? Right. And that's what they understand. I think that comes across that this person cares enough about me to want to call me. I'd ought to care enough to get to work for him, you know, and I think that that usually turns, turns it around. Now, I just want to let people know out there, you've got some people you know, that will never change. They won't turn around. They won't come to work. They, then not, they don't want to work. And so they're almost looking for 
that attendance matrix to break them, and there's nothing you can do. And I want to tell people there's nothing wrong with that. If you you care about the people, you talk to them, you give it your best shot, um, and they make those choices, um, you can't do anything about that. So uh, please don't think that you're going to save everyone out there because there are those who you just can't do anything about. They don't want to be there, and they're going to break themselves on the attendance matrix or whatever the other rules might be. I'm just using attendance as, as an example, and it could be a safety rule that might be wearing safety glasses, and every time you go by, you have to remind you know, Johnny to put on his safety glasses, and every time you say, hey, Johnny, I can't tell you again, and then you have to let him go because he doesn't do it. Well, he's making those choices. So, uh, Sandy, you mentioned honesty, and I think honesty helps gain respect. And I want to tell you that I used to use three answers to people for people when they asked me something. And I, I think that being honest with them, being able to say this to them, they understood this. And if they respected me, they knew exactly where I was coming from. And first, let's just say you ask me a question and I'll throw it out there for you. It's like, What's the Magic Kingdom attendance today? Well, in my mind, there are three, three answers to that. One, I can give you the exact attendance because I know it if I, had, if I had it. Two, I might not know it. I might not have been in a predicament, and I have to tell the person right there, I don't know it. I'm honest with you. I don't know the answer to that question. And the third thing might be, I know the answer but I can't tell you, and I can't tell you, you have to understand there are reasons behind this that I can't tell you. You know, I can talk to you about it, but I can't give you that Magic Kingdom attendance right now because it's something that the company has set down as a rule for me not to give out. And if you respect me, then you're going to understand that I can't tell you. Now, you may say a Magic Kingdom attendance. How about another example coach and I'd say, well, how about terminating somebody? If somebody comes up to me and says, why did you terminate John Doe? Well, I can't tell you why I did. You know, and you have to understand, uh, put yourself in the same predicament. What if it was you who got terminated? Do you want me to be able to tell everybody why you got terminated? No, you wouldn't. So please respect my answer that I can't tell you about John Doe. So Those three answers, the correct answer, I don't know, and I know, but I can't, cannot tell you, I think will show honesty on your part, being able to tell the person straightforward what you know and what you don't know about something. And as we talk about leadership and honesty, and we've talked about be a leader, not a boss, I've written down something that I use uh, or I like to tell people who would come in and be new leaders. I tell them to lead with your heart. I Uh, love it. um, I say that because your heart's going to put you in the right direction. You know, it's it's going to show that you care. It's going to show that you're kind. You're going to help people. You're going to give to people. You're going to be nice good, all of those four-letter words are going to come out if you lead with your heart. 
And I think that everyone out there, probably as a leader and so forth, um, another thing that I used to tell people is imagine how you would like to be led. You know, what? how did you feel if you were in that subordinate position, you know, that you're leading? Did you want to see the leader come out and help you? Did you want to see the lead? Did you want the leader to say thank you to you? Did you want them to acknowledge you and say good morning, good day? Um, did you want to be directed? Did you want to say do this, do that? How did you want to be led? Did you want positive feedback, negative feedback? And put yourself in that predicament and then take those good qualities and use them yourself when you become a leader. You know, um, acknowledge people. Don't walk by people and say, just walk by them because you're better than they are and you're going to your office. Don't hesitate to say, good day, good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, that doesn't take very much, and you know it goes a long ways. All of a sudden, those people are going to smile, and guess what? That's, they're going to smile. The next person's going to smile, and it's going to be a happy day in the office if you do those things. So, and, Coach, here's uh, one thing that I, I'd love to just interject here as you're talking about sure. this. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, walking by them because you're better than them or they're in a different position. But you know what? Sometimes here's the thing that I see a lot. It's that everybody is so busy, they think they don't have the time to do that. I don't have time to say something. I don't have time to chit-chat. But really, when they're saying to themselves, I don't have the time, they're forgetting about how they're treating people. What is their most important job? Is the most important job to go and, you know, get that piece of paper somewhere right this second? Or is the most important job as a leader, usually, now, yeah, sure, you've got time crunches sometimes. Well, you do have to get that piece of paper somewhere really quickly and don't have time to get into a big discussion, even a nice discussion. But for the most part, what is your biggest job as a leader? It's to inspire your people to do their jobs, right? And, and how yeah. inspiring is that? You, know, you want the production out of those people. You're going to get the production if you're nice to them. Right. And, and if you and get I, that piece of paper in, in that, in, say in that instance, you get that one piece of paper in on time, what's happening to the 25 people who are supposed to be getting all their pieces of paper in, but they're not inspired to do anything for you because you don't treat them like you respect them. So you get one in on time and 25 in late because your people don't respect you. And all, and all of a sudden you're behind. Now, right. I, I know... And, and I think I started talking earlier when I was talking and teaching that uh, an important thing is to know your cast. Know those people that you're managing. Like I said, know the students in the classroom. And once you know them, you'll know how to get through to them. Now, I'll just use an example that there are some pe people that when you manage them, you can be kind to them. Thank you, please. And that's going to go a long ways. Now, there are other students in, out there, or I'm going to say people working for you, that that doesn't go very far. You need to be firm. You need to say, Joe, I need you to get me 10 pieces of this equipment done by noontime. You know, he needs to be told that. Now that's the direction Joe's going to work in. But that's, you need to know that ahead of time. You can't use that on the person who needs a please and thank you. They're going to say, 
I'll be darned. I'm not going to do that for him. He didn't even say please, you know. Right, so, right. You, so know the people that you manage out there, and then you'll know how to get through to them um, and how to get them to work out. I can give you a quick example of this, Sandy, because um, for a year and a half of my um, career with Disney, I was at uh, Euro Disney, now called Disneyland Paris, um, back in 1991 and 92. Somebody's going to say, Mr. Lyle, coach, you're dating yourself. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's when we opened the park. But when I first went there, um, my job was a coordinator, uh, even though it was management. And I'll tell you, it was a coordinator because it was like getting dressed. In other words, I was the person in an attraction who told the workers there when to bring in the Disney sets. Assume that you're building your house um, and all of a sudden they've cleared the land and they're ready to pour the floor. Um, Are you bringing your refrigerator and stove over that same day? Are you bringing your cabinets in? No, you're not. You're holding those things in a warehouse, in a store until they've built the walls, they've painted the walls and now you're bringing those things in and that was my job to bring in the Disney sets at the point when they were needed to be brought in and ready and set them up. The per- people working for me were from Ireland. Um, oh, many of them were from Ireland. And um, it was a different group of people. I was the type of person who loved to manage by, hey, please, can you do this? And um, would you do this? Or thank you for doing this. And these people needed a little different language. They needed direction. I needed to say, I need you to go to the warehouse and pick up three of those paintings that were going to hang here in the Haunted Mansion. And I had to be direct. No, please and thank you. Boom, they would go and do it. And when they brought it back, yes, I would thank them. But they were ready to do something else for me at that time, and I need to give them another directive. So things were more direct, and I was dealing with construction workers rather than your everyday workers. And I think for those of you out there in construction, you may say that's a different language that you have to speak when you're in construction. And you're right. It is a different language. And I sort of had to learn that language um, to speak in order to get things done, but I was able to learn how I needed to talk to the people and get things done while I was over there. Um, How did you learn that, Coach? I mean, was there something specific that happened that made you think, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't working, how am I going to get through to these guys? Or tell us how you, a little bit about, you know, what brought it to your attention? Was there, it sounds like there might be a story there. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm not going to tell you a funny story, um, how I sort of learned, we were loading the sets into um, the attraction Autopia. Autopia at uh, Disneyland Paris is uh, similar to the Grand Prix Raceway here at the Magic Kingdom. It's the small cars. And the sets that you load on are the billboards and uh, lights and things that go inside the track. We had to do this after hours. Um, And I say after hours, after the rest of the construction workers had gone and we had to clear, we could put a crane and lift things into the middle of this raceway. So we were working one night and we made two or three trips to the warehouse and brought things back and loaded them in. And they asked me, they said, um, John, uh, can we stop by the, the compound and have tea time? 
And I thought, well, a quick, you know, we've been working for three hours. Sure we can, you know. What? I mean, we can go have tea time. Uh, sure, I'd like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and so forth to keep us going. This was 11 o'clock at night. Well, we go to the compound, and they all go up and go through the lunch line, and it's like, um, what's going on here and so forth? John, we asked you if we could have tea time, and you said we could. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I thought we were going to get a cup of tea. They said, oh, no, John, we're from Ireland. Tea time is our dinner time, so we're going to have dinner. So they were asking <laughs> me to have din- dinner, and all of a sudden I went to ask more questions, communicate directly on what I wanted, and we did get along fine. We never had a problem, but after that I learned to be more direct with them exactly what I wanted, and uh, we continued, and we got the park opened on time over there. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. And really, it does point up. The, we have so many cultural differences now. You don't have to go over to Euro Disney or Disneyland Paris in order to have cultural differences where you need to start asking questions. Well, what exactly does that mean? So we're going to get ready to take another break right now. But I love what you're bringing out because the communication, in order to be respectful, needs to be clear, needs to be direct, needs to be different for different people. And that's the kind of thing that shows that you do have respect for them. When you learn how to communicate with them better and adjust your style, your words and everything, it shows, first of all, I'm listening, second of all, I care, and third of all, well, yes, even though I want to be kind and respectful, let's get the job done. So stay tuned as we keep talking with John Lyle, and we'll take a quick break and come right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Welcome back. And if you've just tuned in, we've been talking with Coach John Lyle about his years as early years as a high school math teacher and sports coach, and then his 30 years that he spent working for Disney, both here in Orlando, Florida, and apparently over in Euro Disney, which I guess is uh, Disneyland Paris now, as he helped them get that set up. And we've been talking about the different things that John does to connect with people and show them they care. One of them being get to know your people so you know how best to communicate with them. Some people need direct communication or a direct order per se. Some people need a please and thank you and that may not work with everyone. So it's great to hear how you just kind of flexed and flowed with the the needs of your people, John, in the honesty that you talked about. I know you have a quote that you'd like to share with us that we were talking about. So why don't you uh, talk about that and let us know your thoughts on this quote. Okay, well, the quote that I have with everybody, let's say you walk into a new management area or you walk into a classroom. My quote is, believe in the best of people. In other words, everyone there before you that might be working for you is a good person. And if you believe in that and you start out helping them and uh, working with them, I think you're going to get a lot farther and you believe in them until they are prove themselves otherwise. Let them make that choice to prove themselves otherwise. Let a student make the bad decision of not doing their homework, not doing good on tests, not taking things. Let them become the bad student in the class. Let a, an employee um, do the wrong things, not wear their safety glasses or not come into work on time or not follow the rules and so forth. But until they do that, they're good. And you need to work with them, help them, and get them you know, the best that you can to basically get the best out of them while they're at work. And they will work for you if you show that you care about them and use those four-letter words, be kind to them, care, help them, uh, and be true to them, give them help, be good, be nice, and so forth, and then lead them. Don't ask them to do something you can't show them what to do. Great. I know that time management is a huge thing that you, you know, with all of the responsibilities that you had and the thousands of people that you were leading, uh, that's a huge thing. Can you give us a couple of the time management tips that helped you become a more efficient and competent leader? And I'm going to say to all the people listening out there, I'm going to ask them the question, how many of you out there manage people, take a lunch time? And I bet that some people are going to probably swallow their throat as I, as I said that and say, I don't have time. You know, I don't have time. I can't do that. Well, you can do that. And time management is important. In fact, that's the first thing I learned when I took up time management course at Disney was if you've got a calendar, whether it's a written calendar on a piece of paper or it's in a computer and you've got a secretary, I don't care what you do, what time you do it, 1130 to 1230, 12 to 1, 
put down, you haven't got to put down lunch because somebody's going to say they, they can interrupt your lunch. Put down meeting with Dr. J, meet, meeting with Mr. Berger. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You put something on can your Can I calendar. have a meeting with Mr. French Fry? <laughs> you can put Mr. And, and if you put French Fry, they may get suspicious, Sandy. You oh, may I'll do FF. FF. And then they're going to, you know, uh, first of all, they're going to be puzzled. But then you as a leader take that hour and you need to relax, clear your mind. You're going to need food. You're doing your job, which is costing you energy and your energy um, is important in order to do your job. And somebody may say, well, geez, a lot of my job as a manager is in the office and, and I'm dealing with the, the finance, the budget and numbers and and I'm writing reports and so forth. Well, believe me, having been a teacher, somebody's going to say, gosh, you didn't do very much as a teacher. You're in the classroom all day. You burn a lot of energy. You need some food to, to, in order to give you more energy in order for you to function correctly. So I guess when it comes to time management, I'm saying care about yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, and then... Uh, Going from time management or talking, I haven't really talked about that fully. I'm going to tell you that it's important as a leader to, if you, to surround yourself with good leaders. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick story that I had a secretary um, while I worked at the Magic Kingdom who was probably kept my calendar just the way I wanted it. I mean, every day I found my calendar right on my desk and everything that I needed to do. But she also had in there the things that showed that I cared. Um, for example, um, maybe one of my cast members' father had passed away. Well, as a manager, you don't bypass that. To show those people, your people you care, and to get respect and so forth, you're probably going to go to that funeral. And my secretary knew that the worst thing in the world for me was for me to go to funerals. I'm sorry, it's just something that uh, I've had a hard time with all of my life. But yet with her putting that on my calendar and being the person, as I say, good person, she would go to the funerals with me and she would uh, escort me there and always be the person to help me through my tough part while I was doing my part as a leader and showing respect to that person's family for someone had just passed away. Now, if you put good people around you, surround yourself with good leaders, it's going to make your job a lot easier. All you have to do is maybe spend a little more time in the office and take care of the things that you need to as a manager, whether they be, as I said, reports, budgets, anything to do with finance, numbers, and so forth. But Good leaders will make you look good if you surround yourself with those good leaders. Back to time management. Time management, management also um, takes place all day long. And to say that if you need to be in the area or want to be in your area, or I, you're going to say, John, you said earlier to um, walk the talk. For me to get out there and see my cast members, to be with my the people working for me, to walk around. Put that on your calendar. 
Maybe it's nine mm-hmm. to ten every morning. You know, maybe it's two to three in the afternoon. Um, but put that on your calendar and make sure that you go out and acknowledge people. And again, somebody's going to say, well, gee, somebody's going to interrupt it and throw a meeting in there um, and interrupt it. Put it on there as something else. Put it on as a finance meeting. Um, by you going out and observing the people working for you, that's certainly getting them possibly to be more productive. It's helping with finance, so you can justify it. There are ways to justify this. But I think that it's important for a person to do time management and also put down personal time management on that calendar. If you're out there and you've got a um, son or a grandson that's got a 4 o'clock soccer game and you know that that's going to mean a lot to him and would mean a lot to you to get there, put that down that you need to leave at 4 o'clock or 3.30 that day. Now, somebody's going to say, John, this is not possible in all worlds, and it's not possible in all worlds for everybody to do that, but if you can put that on there, if you can make one or two of those soccer games, it's certainly certainly going to make that grandchild um, appreciate you and think of you just a little more, and you're going to be the one who's probably going to be the first person to publish something out there in today's social media about how grandson did, if he got a goal, or whatever he might have done. So it's going to be important, going to relax you, and going to make you a better leader in the next the next day. And so. I think, too, John, that's a, that brings up a really good point. What are our children and grandchildren looking at us as um, in the aspect of role models? How, what kind of role models are we being for them? So many of our kids nowadays are looking at their parents and grandparents killing themselves, missing everything that they're all starting to say, wait a minute, you know, I don't want to just give my entire 24-7 full, you know, 65, 75-year being to the job. I want to have a life, too. And some of that is showing up in the rebellion of, listen, I'm not going to just, it looks like I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. But there is a compromise there if we don't look at it as an all-or-nothing situation, right? So you don't go to every soccer game, but you go to some, and you You prove that you do have a life. That's that's correct. Yeah, I, and I hope that people out there listening understand this. Yes, you can't. If you've got seven grandkids and each one has an event at three o'clock every afternoon of the week, um, no, you're not going to do that. You need to use some, I'll say, time management and put who do you want to see this week? Who do you want to see next week? And I can give you a perfect example. Um, I've got five grandchildren and uh, three of them compete in, in running events and soccer events. And I make it a place to go to one a week, you know, and I tell them that this time I'm going to go see Brady or this time I'm going to go see Alec. And this time I'm going to go see Maddie. And I let them know ahead of time, Hey, and that's how I manage my time so that I'm not going every day of the week to see them. It's a little easier now that I'm retired but I can't go to five soccer games a week, but I do try to make two or three of them. So, yeah. Right. You and you did that to... while you were, yeah, and you did that while you were working too, right? You still did some of that while you were working. Yes, you could do that while you're working. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, it comes back to surround, with, surround yourself with good leaders. You could do that, but when you left the workplace, 
make you make sure things are running correctly. You had to have those good leaders there to be able to take care of things uh, for you. And you know, if you knew them, had them uh, put them in place, had trained them well, you know that they would be able to do that. Right. Now, Coach, I appreciate everything that you're talking about here today. It's just awesome. And boy, I wish we had two or three more hours and maybe we can get you back on another show. However, at this point, I'd love to just ask you, our final segment of the show every week is that we talk about one of the most human things that we have in common, which is food. So I would love to ask you, I asked you before about um a favorite recipe of yours. I know you don't have the recipe, but can you tell us what's one of your favorite foods? And then I'm going to share one of mine and we'll have at least my recipe on the website. What is the food that you think of when you think, I have to share this with people. I want to let them know what it means to me. What is it that really gets you going for food? Apple pie, Sandy. Apple <laughs> pie. I'm, and I, I'm going to tell you, if you asked them, um, I, I went to Europe on a trip um three years ago in the summer, and I will tell you the couple that went with my wife and I, when we came back, uh, every time they see something Apple now, they just think of me because um, we were in Germany, and uh, then we went to Austria. Every place I went, I had apple strudel. So they think of me as apple strudel, but I can tell you um, my mother... Um, used to make the most fabulous apple pies, and my wife still does today. So uh, I'm going to say apple pie is uh, my number one thing. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it because I chose apple pie as the recipe. And I didn't know you were going to say this, folks. I really didn't prompt him on this. I didn't know you were going to be saying that. Apple pie is the recipe I'm sharing, and I make a killer apple pie, too. It's a mile-high apple pie. I've doctored the recipe for years, and then I finally found what I think is the perfect compromise so look on the show links page uh, the page for the show links um, you'll get all of the recipes there for all of the shows and this week mine for apple pie is there now we're going to have to close out and I'd love to just thank you again coach it has been wonderful hearing about your stories and having you share thank you so much and if you want to email me and let me know how coach affected you let me know about that I'll forward it to him next week we're going to talk about how we can be even more human and relatable at work as we discuss wild place rule number three a wild place is human not humanoid I'm Sandy Giroux and I'm looking forward to sharing another episode of leadership in life with you next Tuesday thanks for being here Thank you for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week.